Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, all right, good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to have you with us today. Are you glad to be in church this morning? Man, it is great to have you with us. If you are our guest today, my name is Rhett. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church, and it's great to have you. Hey, but before we jump into this message this morning, I want to take a moment and do something I do every week, and that is I want to welcome our online church family right now. One Life, come on, put your hands together. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah. You are our family. You are our friends. We love you, and we are sending you some air high fives, some air fist bumps today. All right, you guys, we are closing out our series calling from this day forward, and I can't wait to jump into it, but before we do, I want you to draw your attention to your smartphone, your dumb phone, any technology device that you have right now. The reason I want you to go there is because I want you to go to olc.church for message notes. Yes, that's right. We are a message note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes. My friends, listen, My job is to not just inspire you on a Sunday, but it's honestly to give you the tools, to give you some practical ways that you can apply God's word into your life throughout the week from Monday through Saturday. And if you're not a note taker, hey, I get it. I was that way at one time too. But could I encourage you to take notes? Because if you'll try something you've never done before, you might just get something today from God that you've never gotten before. And can I get a good amen from all the note takers out there this morning? Awesome. Well, hey, listen, the hope for this entire series has honestly been twofold. It's for those who are single in the room. It's to give you the tools to prepare you for a life-giving marriage. But it's also for those who are married in the room to give you the tools to prepare you for a life-giving marriage as well. And so the question we've been asking, it's really the big idea of the entire series is this. Are great relationships, are great marriages, are they possible? And the answer to that, many of us, we're just not quite sure. And the reason that many of us aren't quite sure is because we've all had some difficult days, if we're being honest. Because we've had difficult days from difficult people. We've had wounds. We've had past things that have come at us left and right. And it's always involved people. So we ask the question, and honestly, we're just not quite sure. And so here's the reality. The reality is the answer is yes, great marriages are possible. If you do things God's way. But if you continue to do things the world's way. The answer is, is they're probably not possible. And that's why the Bible, I'm so thankful for God's word. We look at Romans chapter 12, verse two. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, especially when it comes to the topic and the idea of relationships. But instead, let God, everybody say this word, transform. Let God transform you. And some of you are here today, you're like, Pastor Red, I tried everything. I've done everything I know how to do in my own power to try to have a great relationship. And my question to you today is, have you involved God in the process? Because religion, religion will tell you to try this, try that. But God says, hey, I don't want you to try anything. I just want you to be transformed. And if you'll allow God access into your heart today, a transformation will begin to take place. And you will begin to experience fulfillment in your life, fulfillment in your home, fulfillment in your marriage. God will then begin to give you the ability and the strength and the power to do something you've never been able to do on your own. And that is to transform you into what? Into a new person. How? 
by changing the way you think. Everybody say think. My hope today is that you will allow God to transform you, not only in your life, but in your thought life. Because if I'm just being honest, a great church, a great worship set, a great message from a great pastor. Come on, everybody. Just kidding. You don't have to laugh too hard. The only thing that's going to bring life change into your life or into your marriage or into your home is going to be a relationship with God. Because when you give God access to your life, it's then that a transformation takes place. And as you begin to experience God's love, look at this, then you will learn to know, look at the rest of the verse, then you will learn to know God's will for you. In other words, then you will begin to experience all that God has intended for your marriage, for your home, for your life, for your family, for your kids, your relationship, which is, I love this, it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And so I know what some of you are thinking, because you're in this room going, Rhett, that's impossible, man. You're dreaming. There's no way that's a pipe dream. And I would say, I understand, and that's why I want to remind you what Jesus said in Mark 10, 27, one more time. Jesus himself said, for people, this kind of living, yeah, it's impossible. But when you involve God in the process, look at this, all things are possible. Amen. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 4, 13, one more time, I'm going to remind us as we close the series, I can do everything through who? Through you? No. Through me? No. Through Christ. Through Christ, I can have a great marriage. Through Christ, I can have a great relationship. Through Christ, I can have a great life that is fulfilled, but only in and through Christ, who does, who does what? Who gives me the strength. It's through Christ and him alone that I have the ability to do the absolute impossible. And that's why I just want to encourage you as we close this series. I want to encourage you from this day forward to make a choice. What is that choice? To choose Christ. To put Christ first. Why? Because it's in Christ alone that we have the strength and the ability only to have a great marriage. And so, are great marriages possible? Yes, they're absolutely possible. If we make the choice to put Christ first in our home and begin to do things God's way. So, over the past few weeks, I've been talking week after week about what it looks like to do relationships God's way. In week number one, we talked about the difference between the world's way and God's way. In week number two, we talked about the only way that you're ever going to have a great marriage is if there's great love in your marriage. And I'm not just talking about SEX. The secret of love is being <laughs> loved by God. And so last week we talked about communication because we all know how important that is to a healthy in great marriage. And so if you miss any of those, I would encourage you to go back, go to Apple iTunes on the podcast, go to onelifechurch.com or olc.church, excuse me, and uh, listen to the message and follow along because everything has been building up for today. So I'm, kind of, I'm really excited about bringing this message today, but at the same time, you know, I'm really conflicted about bringing this message. Why? Because the topic is about conflict. How many in, the, how many in this room love conflict? Raise your hand. How many in this room hate conflict? Raise your hand. How many of you in this room are conflicted about conflict? Raise your hand. <laughs> conflict is something that is unavoidable. And for those of you who are young and not the wisest, you're probably thinking, oh, no, not me. I'm going to be different. There's never going to be conflict in my marriage because we're going to love each other forever and ever. 
And all the married folk are laughing in this room because if you've been married longer than a day, <laughs> you realize that it's not a matter of if there's going to be a conflict, it's a matter of when there's going to be a conflict. And when it comes to marriage, I heard a wise man once say, marriage is like a walk in the park. And I'm like, yeah, Jurassic Park. <laughs> Y'all, that's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> I read that and I laughed out loud. My wife's like, what'd you laugh at? I was like, oh, nothing, honey. Not, nothing at all. Because <laughs> the reality is I'm kidding. Like marriage is absolutely beautiful when you do it God's way. But let's be honest, when you're not doing it God's way, it can be chaotic and it can be a lot like Jurassic Park. And so we're all dealing with conflict. And so what I want to do on the front of this message is really, I just want to deliver to you, what are the causes of conflict first, before I give you the practical ways we can live this thing out? So what are the causes of conflict? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. The number one cause is poor communication. Poor communication. The majority of our conflict starts small, doesn't it? But it's amazing how much worse it gets when we open our mouth. Hey guys, note to self, if it pops in your mind, don't let it pop out your mouth. I'm just saying, just because it comes in your mind doesn't mean it should come out your mouth. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 23, the message. Watch your words. Hold your tongue. Why? Because you'll save yourself a lot of emotional pain. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. You'll save yourself a lot of heartache in your marriage, in your home, in your life, and even at work. So an incredible prayer to pray. I love this. It comes out of Psalm 141, verse 3. David said, so God set a guard over my mouth. Oh, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. I like that he chose the word door. What does the door have? It has a hinge. What does that allow the door to do? To open and close. In other words, you and I, we have the choice to open and close our mouths when it comes to either we can speak life or we can speak death. But many of us choose the latter, and because of that, we're not resolving conflict, we're causing conflict. So poor communication is a major cause for conflict. All right, what's the second one? second one is unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. My friends, all conflict begins and ends with unfulfilled expectations. Have you ever noticed that you never get angry when things are going your way? You only get angry when things aren't going your way. Isn't that the truth? Look at what God's word says right here. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when things don't go your way, it leads to anger. It leads to frustration. It leads to a heart that is sick. But, man, a longing fulfilled. Come on. When things go your way, woo. It's a tree of life. I love the way James says it. Look at this, James chapter four, one through two. Hey guys, what causes conflicts? What causes fights and quarrels among you? And he's asking a rhetorical question. Of course he knows the answer. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? It's like you want something, but you don't get it. Hey guys, when I drive to Boise, you know what I want? I want no traffic. <laughs> But you know what I get? I get traffic. And guess what? I get bad. Why? Because I got an unfulfilled expectation. Thank God for tinted windows in my truck. Come on, somebody. When I'm home and I'm working in my office or whether I just want to relax, you know what I want? I want quiet. 
You know what I get? A neighbor's yappy dog. Like, shut that dog up. And I get mad. Why? Because I want something and I'm not getting it. I'm quiet. But I'm getting chaos. And that's what good BB guns are for. No, just kidding. I would never. <laughs> Let's edit that production. We're going to edit that from the podcast. If my neighbor's listening today, I would never do that to your dog. I promise. <laughs> we all have expectations. Unfulfilled, unfulfilled expectations lead to conflict. Look at the rest of the verse. So what do we do? We end up killing and coveting. James says, guys, you can't have what you want. So what do you do? You end up with conflict. You quarrel and fight. Why? Because you don't involve God in the process. You don't have because you don't ask God. Many of us are expecting things from people that people will never be able to provide for us. We're putting expectations on somebody who is absolutely incapable of fulfilling every one of our needs. And I just want to encourage you today. Hey, guys, it's time to stop putting that kind of pressure on somebody else. It's time, it's time to stop focusing on the person and start focusing on the provider, the one who can fulfill everything you're looking for. And that can only happen through God and his son, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen if you believe that this morning? So what causes conflict? Poor communication, unfilled expectation. Here's a third cause of conflict. Despising differences. Despising differences. Isn't it amazing like when you're dating, how opposites attract? Oh, it's just so cute. But when you get married, what happens? Opposites attack. <laughs> I'm hot, she's cold. For the love of God, can we turn on the AC? No, I'm freezing. I'm hot. She's cold. It's cute when you're dating. Oh, no problem, baby. I'll just take care of that for you. When you're married, it's on a whole nother level. <laughs> I want to spend. Guess what? She wants to save. Where's the fun in that? I want to discipline our son. She wants to give grace. <laughs> grace. So nice. We are polar opposites. I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. I'm a like, get out of my way. Let's get done. I don't have to have it all figured out. I'm loud. I'm boisterous. Guess who I married? Slow your roll. How in the world are we going to plant a church with only $6,000? I don't know, but God, I know God's good, but we still need some money to make this happen. <laughs> She's behind the scenes. She's administrative. She's quiet. It's amazing how we're polar opposites. And here's my point. Differences in marriage or differences in relationships can either irritate us or they can be important to us. We can either devalue them or we can value them. And guys, a, a championship winning football team, a championship winning football team, they don't have 11 guys on the offensive line who all weigh 350 pounds. No, they got five guys on an offensive line who weighed 350. Then they got some scrawny, tall, skinny, short, other people who can run fast. Why? Because they realize they will never win a championship if they're the same. And I'm just saying, guys, when it comes to winning a championship, we've got to understand and value our differences. And what makes a great team is understanding and valuing each other's differences in our home, in our marriage, in our kids, 
and in our country. Can I get an amen? amen. Mark 3.25 says, guys, if a house is divided against itself, like if you despise each other's differences, here's the result. The house cannot stand. And I'm just saying, let it be said of us that in our homes, in our marriages, in our church, and in our country, that we have a united front around valuing each other's differences. If you believe that, can I get a good amen, somebody? What causes conflict is poor communication. It's unfulfilled expectations. It's despising our differences. And here's really number four. This is really the root cause of everything, and that is it's our sin nature. It's our sin nature. Guys, the truth is all of us, we're just a little messed up. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Pastor is just encouraging me with the love of God. He said, I'm a little messed up. (laughs) Guess what? I'm speaking to me too. If you've been here for a while, you've heard me say, listen, I got issues. You got issues. All God's children got some issues. If you don't have an issue, guess what? That is your issue. We're all a little bit messed up. And we got to realize that none of us are perfect, nor will we ever be perfect. Let's look at this reminder, Romans 3, 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So why is it then that we expect more from people than we're willing to give out? We all want grace. We all want to experience grace, but none of us want to give grace. Like every single one of us, we expect our own imperfections, but none of us, like we expect our imperfections in ourselves, but yet we expect everybody else to be perfect. It's like, guys, we got to come to a place where we realize that we are not perfect, nor will we ever be. Why? Because we're human. We're humanity. We're broken. But thanks be to God, Romans 7, 25. Thanks be to God who does what? Who delivers me from my sinful nature. Who delivers me from my imperfection. Who delivers me through who? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have hope, and his name is Jesus Christ, everybody. Amen. So when it comes to conflict, well, we can deal with it a couple different ways. I'm going to show you those really quick. We can choose the first way, which is my way. I'm the boss. I'm the head honcho. I'm the daddy. Get out of my way. Get right or get left. Get in line. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm the man or I'm the woman. It's my way or the highway. You can deal with it that way if you'd like. Most of us probably do from time to time. Here's a second way. If you don't get your way, well, in my way, then it's your way. Your way. And what we're saying with your way is, hey, you know what? I'm just tired. I don't really want to fight. I'm just going to give in and do things your way just for the sake of peace. But the truth is, when we do things this way, there's not peace. Now, we may say it, but honestly, on the inside, we're miserable. Because we're only saying okay because we're just tired of listening listening to you. So it's my way, your way. Here's the third way. Or halfway. You can deal with conflict halfway. That's where like, well, half the time you're going to get your way and half the time I'm going to get my way. You know what the result of that is? 50% of the time, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) So my way, your way, halfway, but here's the best way to resolve conflict. And it's what my hope is for you today. And that is, I want to encourage you to do things God's way. Everybody say God's way. Guys, when it comes to conflict, handling it God's way. What does it look like? That's the question. Well, let's take one more look at our theme verse as we jump into this. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Don't copy the behavior. Don't copy the customs of this world, 
especially around the idea of relationships and handling conflict. But instead, let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way, say these last two words, you think. Notice that it begins with your thinking, not their thinking. Change the way you think. Guys, if we're ever going to have great marriages, if we're ever going to have great relationships, we all have to take the responsibility for our own thinking. We've got to change the way that we think. When my thinking is transformed and Linda's thinking is transformed, together, guess what happens? Our marriage is transformed. If I'm transformed and she's not transformed, I'm going to experience things from God. But until she's transformed and I'm transformed, then together we'll experience transformation. Are you following this transformation journey with me today? I'm saying that word a lot. It's the theme of today. Our thinking has got to change. So my job as a pastor, honestly, is to introduce some new thinking. And so I want to help us align our thoughts today with God's thoughts especially when it comes to the idea of handling conflict God's way. I'm going to give you four ways that I believe are guaranteed to work if you will apply these in your own marriage or in your own relationship. And these will resolve conflict not only within, but within your circumstance. Number one, write this down. I will act and not react. I will act and not react. In other words, I'm no longer going to lose my mind. I'm no longer going to blow up over this thing. I'm not going to lose control. And I'm not going to wait for church on Sunday to say, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm going to pre-decide my response. I'm going to have a pre-fight plan. Because it's not a matter of if we're going to fight. It's just a matter of when we're going to fight. And so I thought I would give you just some pre-fight rules of engagement. Now you're like, all right. Now we're taking some notes. So Linda and I, here's some pre-fight rules that we try to live by. We don't always get them right, but we try to live by. Here's number one, pre-fight rule when it comes to acting and not reacting is that, number one, we're not going to put off until tomorrow what we need to do today. We don't want to put off until tomorrow what we honestly need to do today. Why? Because time is short. My friends, we are not promised tomorrow. And I'm just saying, when you begin to choose this kind of perspective and realize this, it will help you handle conflict. This is inspired by Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27. Look, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, make the choice to act and not react. And please do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. In other words, work to resolve your conflict today. Why? Because if you wait until tomorrow, you could give the devil a foothold. And I'm just saying, for me and my house, I'm not going to give the devil a foothold. It's not going to happen. And I'm just saying, when you can. And can I just be very honest and vulnerable to you? Sometimes it's not always going to be the case. But when you can, don't go to sleep until you settle it. Don't go to sleep until you settle it. I love this quote. I have no idea who said it. But it says, never waste an opportunity to express your love to someone. And let me read it this way. Never waste an opportunity to express or resolve conflict with someone. Why? Because another opportunity 
is something that life, it can't promise. So what do we do? We don't put off until tomorrow what we need to do today in regards to conflict. Number two, as for me and my house, we're not going to work on just putting off. No, no. Now we're not going to call names. Don't call names. Don't call names. Hey, everybody, please stop degrading each other. Stop speaking down to each other. Stop speaking death over each other in your marriage and especially to your kids. I read this verse last week. I got to read it again. Proverbs 18, 21. Everybody, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What does that mean? It's saying you will reap what you sow with your mouth. And if you don't like what you're seeing, if you don't like what you're getting, then check at what you're giving. I'm just say, sir, ma'am, just because you're having a bad day and you're feeling a little bit insecure, it doesn't give you the right to belittle somebody. It doesn't give you the right to make less of somebody else to make yourself feel a little bit better. We don't have that right. Guys, we've got to learn how to speak life. I know that's what you did, but that is not who you are. So when it comes to conflict, got some pre-fight rules. I'm never going to put off. I'm not going to put things off to tomorrow that I can do today. I'm not going to call names. Number three, guys, don't raise your voice. Don't raise your voice. We're talking about handling conflict God's way. Don't raise your voice. Guys, you can say what you need to say without getting loud. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer will calm a person's anger. But an unkind answer will cause more grief and more anger. So we can speak what's on our heart, but we don't have to yell. We don't have to scream. So a great marriage is possible. Yes, they're absolutely possible, but we got to do some things God's way. We got to change our thinking. We got to have some pre-fight rules. I'm not going to put off until tomorrow what I need to do today. I'm not going to call names. I'm not going to raise my voice. And here's number four. Don't get hysterical. I mean, don't get historical. Don't say, you never do this. Don't say, you always do this. No. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Love, great relationships, great marriages, they keep no record of wrongs. My friends, I want to tell you something. My wife, she is a gift from God. But she also has another gift from God. It's called a photographic memory. And early on in our marriage, we've been married for 15 years this April. Early on in our marriage, I learned that she can remember what I said like five years ago. But not only what I said, but what I was wearing on the exact date and time in knowing where the sun was setting or rising, the temperature in the room, and the song that was playing on the radio in the background. I, my friend, do not have that gift. I wish I did, but it's probably good that I don't have it. It's in our marriage. I'll never forget in the first couple of years of our marriage. She's like, well, do you don't, you, you always do this. And, you know, and I was like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, well, you always do. And she's like, yeah, what do I always do? Tell me what. And I'm like, well, you always. Uh. 
but I know when you never, never, I can't remember, but I know, I know you've done it. Well, if you can't tell me, I've never done it, right? So I asked for permission from my wife if I could share this story because I want to honor her and let you know we've come a long way in 15 years. So when we're in conflict and in confrontation now, this doesn't exist. It used to, but it doesn't anymore. We've both come a long way. And I'm saying if you want a life-giving marriage, you want a great relationship, you can't get hysterical. I'm sorry, I meant historical. You can't do it. Just trying to give you some pre-fight rules, trying to help you today. We Don't put off tomorrow what you need to do today. Don't call names. Don't raise your voice. Don't get historical. Number five, and this is huge. Guys, don't threaten divorce. Please don't threaten divorce. Guys, it is very hard to handle conflict God's way if one of you is always living in fear that you're going to bail. In fact, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love, well, that drives out fear. Two words that don't exist in Linda and my vocabulary. Number one, impossible. Number two, divorce. Linda has no fear. Why? Because she knows I'm not going anywhere. She can share her deepest needs and her deepest feelings with me. Why? Because I've created a safe place for her to know I ain't going nowhere. Why? Because for better or for worse, till death do us part, baby, you stuck with me. And if I ever catch her packing her bags and leaving, I'm like, honey, where you going? I'm out. Guess what? I'm going too. I'm getting my bags and I'm following her wherever she goes. Because I ain't going nowhere. Till death do his part. Just trying to give you some practical ways today to handle God, handle conflict God's way. I will act, not react. I give you a list of pre-fight rules. Here's practical way number two. Secondly, every day, every day, I've got to make a decision that I will focus on the good things that are on the inside of you. I will. It's a choice. I will focus on the good things that are on the inside of you. And listen. If the only good thing that you can find to say on one day is, honey, the way you cut the crust off the bread for our son before he goes to school, you do that oh so well. Thank you. If the only thing, ladies, you can tell your husband is, baby, the way you open that door and leave the house every day and shut it behind you, man, you are awesome. Thank you. Y'all think I'm kidding. I'm being honest. I'm being real. Look at Philippians 4, verse 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, make the choice. Choose to focus on the good things. Make the choice to think about such things. Why? Because it goes on to tell us in verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be in your home. The God of peace will be in your marriage. The God of peace will be in, your, in all your relationships. The God of peace. And how many know, man, I could use the God of peace in every area of my life, especially when it comes to relationships. So my prayer is, God, change my thinking. Transform me. Change my thinking, God. I'm going to act instead of react. I'm going to focus on the good things. Here's number three. I will apply 
God's grace to you. This is so huge. I will apply God's grace to you. Guys, we all want to, I said this earlier, we all want to experience grace, but none of us, if we're honest, none of us want to extend grace. Now, what do we want to do? No, I want you to pay. That's right, sucker. You get what you deserve. Justice. Where's all my justice people in the house, right? You were wrong, and you're going to know you were wrong. You're going to get that. God comes along and says, no, 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 no. There's a different way. Look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21. Guys, don't take revenge. My dear friends, even if they deserve it. But leave room for what? For God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, and this is where it gets difficult. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Because in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, yeah, that's where it gets good. That's my verse. Burn him, Lord. Burn him. Put some hot coals on his head on the way to work. Let him burn. <laughs> Y'all, that's not what this is saying. <laughs> I honestly thought when I used to read the Bible, I honestly thought that's what that meant. Until I did a little bit of research. You know what burning coals represent? Life. Burning coals were one of the greatest commodities that you could have had in that day. Why? Guys, there was no electricity. What kept their home warm, what cooked their meals, were hot coals. Embers burning all day in their home. And if the coals went out, well, they were in trouble. They would have to go to a neighbor's house or a family member nearby, knock on their door and say, hey, my coals are out. Can, can I have some coals? And they'd be, yeah, sure. And they would take a container. They'd put the coals in the container. And for the most part, people would just kind of learn how to carry things on their head. And they'd put the container on their head, and then they would walk back to their house. So what is this verse saying? It's saying, hey, guys, I want you to heap kindness I want you to give somebody, when those who hurt you, when those who hurt you lose everything, I want you to give them one of the greatest commodities that you could ever give them, and that is kindness and blessing and things that bring life. That's what this verse is saying. And it says this beautiful phrase, do not be overcome by evil, but check this out. This is a powerful principle. Overcome evil with good. What is it saying? It's saying, hey, I want you to apply God's grace. Well, Pastor Ed, this seems impossible, man. I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think I have what it takes. I get it. I get it. I'm there. I don't either. You can't. There's no way you can apply grace to someone unless, unless you're experiencing grace yourself. Because when you begin to experience grace, transforms you and then you can be able to give grace that's why I say this all the time guys God is not a God to be understood he's a God to be experienced because if you're not experiencing this for yourself living out the Bible is impossible you can't give what you haven't received and that's why I want to encourage you 
to experience the grace of God. So are great marriages possible? Yes. Is handling conflict in a healthy way possible in a marriage? Yes. But you got to do some things God's way. Got to change your thinking. I'm going to act instead of react. I'm going to focus on the good things. I will apply God's grace to them. And here's the fourth one as we close. And I will remember God's grace to me. I will remember God's grace to me. My friends, every time that I begin to remember what God has done for me, it changes everything. When I begin to remind myself of all that God has loved me and forgiven me from and shown mercy and compassion and kindness and goodness and grace when I didn't deserve it, when I begin to remember those things, it's then and only then that I have the capacity to be able to give it away. So I want to close with this verse out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Guys, this is how God showed his love for us. How? God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about in this series. This is the kind of love we talk about every Sunday. It's an unconditional, sacrificial love that only comes from God and his son, Jesus. It's not this once upon a time love God. No, 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 that he once upon a time loved me. No, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. So my dear, dear friends, One Life Church, if God loved us like this, if God loved us this much, we certainly ought to, from this day forward, love each other. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. This is the most important part of the service. So please, nobody moving around. I want to pray for you. God, I pray this morning. First of all, I just want to say thank you for your presence here. God, your word says that if we draw close to you, you draw close to us. And I thank you for that your love and that your grace is here today in this room. God, I pray by your spirit that you would begin to do some healing work into some hearts in this moment. Healing work into husbands and wives, singles and young adults and students. God, you'd bring healing into our homes. You'd bring healing into our marriages, healing into our families, healing into our mind. God, I pray that people would begin to experience a love and transformation of their mind and of their thoughts today that can only come through the grace of Jesus Christ. God, help every single one of us to be intentional, Lord, with handling conflict, not the world's way, but God, your way. And church, I just want to remind you, like I do every week, this is impossible to live this out without the power of God in your life. You need the power of God. And that's why every single one of our next steps should be to surrender our lives to Jesus. Why? Because he's the only one who can give us the ability to not only experience it, but to give it. So maybe you're here today and you feel disconnected. Maybe you're here today and you feel, you feel distant from God. 
I just want to encourage you, let you know that you're only one heartfelt prayer away from experiencing his love and experiencing his grace today. How? Romans 10, 9 tells us this simply. If you'll just declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the word teaches us that you will be saved. You'll experience life, fulfillment, not only for eternity, but for the now. For Jesus came so that you can experience life and life to the fullest. So if you're here today and you know something's not right between you and God and you want to repent, you want to change directions, you want to course correct and come back into a relationship with God or come into a relationship with God maybe for the first time, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I promise you I will not embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today and you're like, Pastor Red, I want to surrender my life to Christ. Would you be so bold as to raise your hand all across this room? Nobody's looking around. All across this room. Today is your day. Now is the time. This is the most significant decision you will ever make in your entire life. God bless you, sir. If that's you, I just I feel distant. I want to be close to God again. I want to come into a relationship with him. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Would everybody in this room just say a simple prayer like this? Just say, God, today I say yes to your love. I say yes to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Transform me. Come live on the inside of me. I put my hope. I put my trust. I put my faith in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. Now pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive you today. Empower me to make a difference. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hey, hang with me just for a second. If you said that prayer today, congratulations. I want to say welcome home, man. Welcome to the family of God. We're so glad that you've, I mean, that's the incredible decision, you guys. But I want you to know, that's the first step in your spiritual journey. There are some other steps to take. In fact, one of the next steps to take is a small group. Everybody say small groups. What are small groups? He put that on the screen. I appreciate it. Small groups are where we honestly, it's where life change happens. Life change happens in life-giving relationships. You're not meant to do life alone. You need people in your life. So I'd encourage you, if you're not in a small group today, can I encourage you to go to olc.church, click the link that looks like that, and find a small group that fits your schedule. It's not too late to join a small group. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Hey, One Life Church family, we had some decisions for Jesus this morning. Can we celebrate? Throw your hands together and let them know how much you love them.